to the 12-1 Podcast. My name is Amy Kirkpatrick, and this entire podcast is for anybody who is trying to grow in their faith and is maybe new or just trying to figure things out. This is just a compilation of a bunch of things that God taught me as I was discipled and kind of just taken through my faith to get kind of where I am now, and I wanted to share it in order to encourage and empower and help others grow closer to God. continuing our discussion on Genesis. And uh, I wanted to kind of do a little Bible study session. And as we've been doing in the past, and as I said before, um, I really want to focus in on uh, not necessarily looking at scripture and looking at like the full details of the story and kind of looking at um, some of the, the deeper meanings of it and the theology of it. What I really want to do is I really wanted to focus on how we can learn more about who our God is, his character, how we can expect to interact with him. Um, but also the part of that of how man has relationship with God. So looking at people like Abraham, Moses, and the these amazing men that you can read about in the very beginning of the Bible and how they were so submitted and surrendered to the plans of God and how we can learn and be challenged by that in our own life. And so that's what we're looking at. We're more looking at relationship and we're looking at like who God is and kind of what he called his people to do. And I think sometimes that message can be kind of hard sometimes because he calls us to really hard things. Uh, And I think that gets blinded in life these days. We want easy, we want it to be joyful and we get frustrated not necessarily with God, but we get frustrated when things have to be hard. We we don't we want to believe that our faith is supposed to be filled with things being nice and easy and comfortable and um, just going to be full of joy. And I think as we read through the Old Testament, we're going to see that our God actually ends up calling a lot of his people into really tough things that really challenge them and and push them beyond their comfort levels. And so I think it's kind of good to see that maybe the God that we we want to follow may not give us these perfect little scenarios that we pray for, but that what might be best for us is maybe a really tough scenario. And so Anyway, Genesis 14, um, I think is just a really great example of looking at how Abram was such an amazing man of faith. And this there's just a really cool lesson in here. Um, I'm not going to read this the way I normally do. I normally go through, read a little bit and talk about it. But for this one, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip down quite a bit and just kind of give you the synopsis because... Um, this is one of those those passages that we know so well in the Old Testament that have a lot of really, really long names in them, and it kind of repeats those names, and it's it gets a little confused, confused and muddied as to what is happening. And so here's, here's the gist of what you need to know, okay? There was 12 years where everyone was subject to a man named Keto Lamer, and now now that name is kind of crazy. I want to I want to just say this, and I just I just want to put this out there real quick. Just um, uh, being a teacher for so long, um, it was amazing how many of my students would back away or be shy to get involved in Bible studies or reading scripture out loud or anything of that sort because they were terrified to look stupid or to say one of these crazy names wrong. Now I want to just say this. Um, I want to encourage those that are young in their faith or are learning how to get into scripture or want to get involved in Bible studies, but just feel too stupid or maybe naive to be able to even get started or maybe even starting a 
a Bible study yourself and you want to lead it, but you feel so ignorant or you feel like there's no way you could do that because you don't, you're not able to pronounce the names. You're not totally able to understand the cultural, you know, situations or anything like that. I want to encourage you guys, one, that these names are, are, they are difficult for everybody. I don't know if there's anybody who feels really comfortable with these names. These are old names and these names from a totally different culture than ours. And so for me, I'm going to, I'm going to put it out there. Um, even though I study scripture all the time, even though I'm a Bible teacher, I still have to sit down and look at these names. In fact, this name, when you look at it, um, when you read it in the Bible, it looks totally different than what it's, what it looks like when you actually research what the name says. And so even then I would have read it wrong had I just looked and tried to sound it out. So Anyway, I wanted to say that and I wanted to also just say for everybody out there, have grace for somebody else who's getting into scripture and is excited to get into scripture. And if they say things wrong, um, don't shame them. Don't make them feel guilty or stupid for not getting it right. My goodness, have some grace. <laughs> Encourage people in their faith to get into the word. Um, and I, I purposely uh, told my kids just to sound it out and kind of go through it just as it is, however it comes to them and just let it be. Um, and it helped everybody just to relax. And so anyway, I just want to say that just have some grace, guys. <laughs> All right. So anyway, um, so they were 12 years under this one specific king. Um, and in the thir- 13th year, they all rebelled against him. So what ended up happening is four kings rallied together with another five kings. The four kings went out and attacked these six villages. And as they were going out and starting to pillage and do all this stuff, the five kings got together, drew battle lines, and were going to step up against them. The kings of Sodom and Gomorrah started to retreat in a way, and some of their men fell into tar pits. So what ended up happening is the four kings, remember Sodom and Gomorrah kings were on one of the five kings uh, group, the four kings came and they took all of Sodom and Gomorrah's stuff, and they also took Abram's nephew uh, Lot and his possessions and a lot of other people along with their crew. So suddenly, all these people were in trouble. They were now becoming enslaved to these men, these these kings and their people. And so our story, story is going to take off from here. So what ended up happening is a man escapes from this uh, crusade and comes and warns Abram. And Abram finds out that Lot has been taken and these people have been taken and captive and all this stuff. And so he takes 318 men um, of his own household. These are trained men. So here we're kind of hearing about Abram being um, suddenly a military man and he's stepping into uh, pursuing these four kings. So during the night, Abram divides his men and goes and pursues after them and pushes them back north of Damascus. He recovers all the goods, brought back his relative and all his possessions. So he's got lot now, together with all the women and all the children and all that. So after he returns, the king of Sodom came out to meet him. And then Mechizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. And he was a priest and also uh, a king, which is kind of a weird thing. Uh, Melchizedek turns out to be this really, really cool character in the Bible. And I'm not going to talk about it right now, but uh, I did a little study on him. He's kind of he's kind of worth investigating. So uh, if you want to get into that, you can. Well, Melchizedek ends up saying a blessing over Abraham, Abram. And uh, the king of Sodom then says to Abram, give me the people and keep all the goods for yourself. Now, this was customary. This is kind of the typical way that they would handle things like this back in that time in that culture is that if you were to go and pursue a camp and take over it, that you would um, take all the goods, you would take all the, the possessions and then give the people back. Um, but 
but here we are in this position. And I'm going to start reading in 22 because I think this part is is really good. And this is kind of what I, I came to and why I wanted to look at this. So in 22, it says, But Abram said to the king of Sodom, With raised hand I have sworn an oath to the Lord, God most high, creator of heaven and earth, that I will accept nothing belonging to you, not even a thread or a strap of sandal, so you will never be able to say, I made Abram rich. I will accept nothing but what my men have eaten and the share that belongs to the men who went with me. Just before Abram kind of stood his ground and said, I'm not going to take all the goods, all the plunder that we had taken. Uh, just before that, he had given a tenth uh, for a thank offering to Melchizedek, uh, basically telling God like, hey, this was your war. You won this. This is your glory. And I'm going to give back to you. And that first little piece there, I just wanted to kind of pause on for a second because, uh, you know, I'm kind of challenged by the old way that things were done back in uh, the Old Testament. And in some ways, I'm kind of sad that our culture doesn't continue to honor um, God in the same way that they used to. You know, if something really powerful happened to you, something that you just know God had his hands in and something that he was developing in your life and you were just blessed in this massive way, it is not our nature to naturally just give back some of the stuff we got and just naturally just um, put it before the Lord and recognize him as the one that gave it to us. So so let's just say you got like a massive promotion with work and you have a sudden, sudden in massive increase in funds uh, coming into your household. And you know, as soon as you got that, you know, in in this kind of heart posture that that Abram has here, it would be to give a portion of that money uh, that that you're going to have or that you could have, and instantly just giving you know six hundred dollars, a thousand dollars, whatever it is, just straight back to the Lord and giving that back to Him to say, look. I have this promotion because of the power that you give me, the strength, the the wisdom, the knowledge that you have equipped me with. And I want to bless you and I want to honor your name. And I just want to thank you. I want to thank you for how you're working through me and the fact that I have this promotion. You know, that heart posture is not natural for us. But, you know, when I sit here and look at the Old Testament, I'm challenged to see that these men really understood um, and had such a reverence for God that I think is so beautiful. And so that in itself, I just think just to stop on the blessings we have, to be more willing to praise that when something really big happens, to throw that glory right back to God, to understand our position in that and and just thank him. But then also um, to be more open with our money in a way of, you know, we want to hold it, we want to take it, and we want to have control over it. And in a lot of ways, money has a control over us. But just to see that he had all this wealth that was put in his hands because he went and took his men out there and he saved these people that were, you know, becoming enslaved to these kings. And he had all this wealth and he could have kept it and he chose not to. And and then just before that, he had given the tenth of it away just to ensure that God knew that this was his victory. It's a, it's a thank you, right? Then we come down to this next part about how Abram denies uh, taking any of that stuff from the king of Sodom um, because he wants to make sure that that in no way the king of Sodom can claim that he made Abram rich. So just this phrase is kind of out there where we are we starting to hear Abram discuss this pact almost that he made with God, that he lifts his hands up, which is a typical um, kind of posture of saying, I've sworn, you know, to my Lord that I would not take any money from you. And so 
There is this cool thing, I think, also of just recognizing that Abram doesn't want to become wealthy at the hands of anyone other than God. I wrote down on my notes this little phrase, and I, I like it. I think it's kind of cool. It says, if God is going to bless me with riches, let his name be stamped all over it. Man, <laughs> like when when I first wrote that, it kind of made me realize how um, how opposite that is of our culture. We approach money in the way that we want to get it. We want to take it. um, And often it's to elevate ourselves. But here, Abram's heart is totally different. And I think there's a reason that Abram is in his position and why he's the one we're reading about in scripture and not some other man. And it's because Abram's heart desire is that he wants to elevate God's name. He wants he wants to have the things that God gives him so that he can boast of God's glory (laughs) What God has done, God's power, God's blessing, not what he has created or somebody else has made for him. And I don't know, like, I don't think I'm even trying to necessarily um, put a challenge out there. I don't know if I'm necessarily trying to um, say, you know, this is how we should all live our life. I, I more want to recognize that Abram was put into scripture so that we can look at somebody who walked with the Lord who knew the Lord and was written in scripture as like a father of the faith. And when we see that and we think about the people that we want to be, I think we need to look at some of the decisions of these people that God said, hey, look at Abram, look at Moses, look at David, and look at some of these big time names that God said that we should focus on, right? That we should that we should read about and see their faith and see how God interacted with them and be challenged by that. And so if God is saying this is good, man, shouldn't we shouldn't we stop for a second and just recognize that that if our focus was not so much about being rich and and you know making our way in the world, trying to get our name out there, trying to establish ourselves, but what happens if we waited for God to establish us? I mean, is that even possible? Is that something we can even wrap our minds around? I mean, when you look at Joseph's life and we look at the fact that that God elevated Joseph right? Isn't that, isn't that the amazing story of Joseph is the fact that Joseph didn't do anything to create what, what he ended up living out, which is the fact that he came, became rich and, and he had all this power and he, he saved the people by, you know, saving all the, the grains and all that stuff for the big famine that was coming. No, his story is all about how God elevated Joseph and Joseph was able to proclaim God back. You know, he was able to lift up God's name through his life because God did something to lift him up, not Joseph. So isn't that isn't that kind of the challenge here is to look at Abram, look at Joseph, look at these men that refuse to take glory for themselves. I mean, we can look at David. How many times did he have an option to step up as king? And, and it was given to him, but he chose to step up into his kingship when God defined it, when it was God's glory to put him into place, you know? And and so when I'm reading this, you know, I was kind of going through and I was like, oh, this is kind of a confusing passage. How can I, can I, how can I bring this to light? How can I make this something that's chewable? Uh, but when I sit here and look at this, I see a man who deeply trusted his God. He deeply believed in the promise um, that his descendants would be as numerous as the earth and that they, they would be God's people, right? And he, he believed in that so deeply. And that trust allowed him to wait upon the Lord and not take things for himself and not choose to elevate himself without allowing 
allowing God to do that and to take the glory of that, to sit back and and to let go of all the riches he had just gained and to let go of that, just hoping that the Lord would have the full glory of, of making Abram into the man that he was going to be and that God would be glorified through that. So that's kind of just the the little thing I want you just to chew on. Uh, I think that's a really hard thing to kind of transition to in our culture and, shw- and shift into. But I think there's a lot of power and a lot of beauty in that. And um, and so I think sometimes just taking these these concepts and just sitting on it and kind of thinking about it a little bit helps us to mold our hearts into a heart that is a lot more like Christ. as always thank you so much for listening i hope you enjoyed this episode on genesis 14 if you have any questions or you'd like to share any powerful things that god's doing in your life feel free to email me at 121podcast at gmail.com it's all spelled out no numbers i would love to hear from you so please don't be afraid to write anyway have a good day and god bless